welcome to Flow with the Funk. My name is Michelle, aka Flo, aka the Funky Celebrant. This is a podcast aimed at anyone and everyone interested in love, ceremony and celebration. I don't care if you're half of or a whole couple looking for inspiration, friends, family or a supplier. This podcast is for you. Today I'm uber excited because I'm joined by somebody that you might not recognise the name but if he started playing and singing you'd certainly recognise the voice. It is the illustrious Nasha. Who's Nasha you might say? I'm going to get him to introduce himself for you. Hi Nasha, tell me who you are and where you're from. Hi, <laughs> my, hi Michelle, it's like blind date. My name is I'm originally from Liverpool uh, and a long time ago when all this was a swamp and, and, and uh, bef- before my hair was the remnants of a once thriving society, I was the guitar player in a, an 80s beat combo called Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I am now a celebrant, which is why I'm speaking to you. Yeah, so it's like the whole purpose of this, this podcast is find out how does somebody that was in Frankie Goes to Hollywood end up becoming a celebrant? So let's start at the beginning. So Frankie Goes to Hollywood, my teenage years and early 80s. Um, what was it like being in you know, a global band? It was, uh, I, I always describe it when people, because I've been asked that question loads of times, I always describe it as going to a party in 1983 and coming home four years later. Yeah. Uh, it's, you're in the eye of the eye of the hurricane, uh, getting to do what loads and loads and loads of teenage boys dreamt about. Being on top of the pops, going around the world, visiting countries and playing playing to thousands of people which is uh always the best part of of being a pop star yeah is, is the is the live concerts it's yeah. like the live performance it's well again it's the same with, with being a celebrant isn't it yeah. you know the best part of it is actually doing the ceremony yeah. nobody sees the uh the paperwork and the headaches no <laughs> the and the material that goes into into yeah. getting to that point no it was incredible and you know when, it, when I think, look back on it now, I haven't just, I, I'd lived in London for over 30 years and I've just moved back to Liverpool now. And, uh, you know, if people who visit Liverpool now, the city bears no resemblance to what it was like in, in, in the 80s. Like a lot of inner city, inner city areas, you know, it was, it was deprived and everybody wanted to get out of Liverpool, yeah. whether it was following Liverpool and Everton to go to different parts of the country. We had a huge heroin problem in the city. So there was people trying to escape drugs and there was nowhere here. So there was people going looking for work. So when, when you're in various parts of this country or various parts of this globe and you bump into Scousers, especially Scousers who, who say be aged between 50 and 70, yeah. they left because there was nothing here and, and uh, they were looking for something or they were running away from something. And having the opportunity to be in a band gave me that opportunity to, to, get, uh, to get away from here. And that's not, not to say that I wanted to leave because I had a good job here. I worked for the council. I was an apprentice electrician yeah. and I had a great training. And you know, this was when councils still existed and doing maintenance, working in different parts of the council, doing my training. And uh, it was a good job, and, and it, you know, 
there's guys who are, who I don't know now, but still hear about who are still doing that job and still working. And in 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 reality, thank God I did have a trade because when the pop star thing ended, at least I could get my toolbox out again and and go back to doing a bit of that. Yeah. But see, this the city now it just bears no resemblance to to anything that was here in the eighties. You'll have to come up, come up for a visit, and I'll take you around. It's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, not at the moment. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll, we'll wait till it's a bit more open. I think yeah. I've only been to Liverpool once, and I'm trying. I was trying to work out whether that was late eighties, early nineties, when I was in the police, and I uh, used to be part of. Um, the swimming and life-saving team so we used to have competitions all over the country and like you say we came up once everything had grills up everything was boarded up people were scared to move around in the dark and we were told don't go there because they'll have you because you're coppers <laughs> but you can go there kind of thing so yeah it's nice to know that like the rest of the country, I think it's it's come back to life, and it's been the city of culture recently as well, hasn't it? It was two thousand and eight, and and to be honest, that was kind of the change in it. Uh, we've had we, we've always had quite a big student population here, and t- to a large degree, the students saved the city. I yeah. would say because um, the population of the city, for example, my daughter, her partner, uh, my daughter was brought up in London. Her mm. partner was brought up in Newcastle, mm. and friends she lived with, of all uh, when she was at uni, uh, they've all stayed here mm. because they go like, well, you know, it's affordable. You know, it's it, it's not going to cost me two hundred and fifty grand to buy a cupboard, uh, mm. you know, somewhere inside the M25, and everything is accessible. Um, it's just buzzing. It, it, it's such a fantastic place, and. In terms of, of what we've always had, the architecture of the buildings, incredible, incredible, second to none. In, you, and you say, you know, this goes back to, we were the heart of the empire at one time, you know, facing the Americas. Um, and it's like that, uh, I, I described it in a song as being, we've got salt in our veins, that's what we're, that's, we come from the sea. Yeah. And also we've got that, we've got an incredibly strong, uh, Irish influence in yeah. this city as well, which kind of gives us that you know there's, there's an expression in this in this city that scouts not English. Mm. We don't associate with we don't associate ourselves and who we are with mm. the rest of England. Where we are, uh, what do you call scout separatists? <laughs> You've always been radical up there, haven't you? <laughs> You know, this is another thing as well. When moving back to the city, when I left this city, you know, we were under the Thatcher's boot, and, yeah. and no one was doing anything for us. You know, there was a famous expression by Michael Heseltine at the time saying, "You can't make water flow uphill," yeah. and he suggested a, a managed decline of Liverpool um, to withdraw funds. And basically, the Tories are going like, "Well, they don't vote for us. They've never voted for us since Victorian times." Yeah. So why should we give them any money? And we don't care about them. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting recently how under freedom of information and, and how that people who were, who were police at that time, who come to retirement age. I read a book recently, and a guy was saying, he had an interview with a, an unnamed policeman. It was quite aisle. They turned their back on 
heroin dealing here. Yeah. So it was all like, yeah, let them all just kill each other. You know, we'll put a wall up around them. If, if they could, they'd cut us off and push us into the Irish Sea until yeah. we hit the Isle of Man. But it's, uh, and I'd say leaving that, the city at that time and being, you're political and you go to the south of England and you go and do this pop star thing. And I always thought that when I speak to people in the south of England, that they think my politics and my stance and my opinion is quite radical when really, when I come back to this city, I'm not a radical at all. You it, just it, fit it, straight it, in, yeah. Yeah, and, and politically, when I say, say being back here, I've been back here since September, mm. and politically, and how switched on we are politically here, mm. we're just miles ahead of the rest of the country. We really are, and that sounds like, you know, another one of those Scouse exceptionalist things to say. But it's true. You know, look, look, look at the boycott of the Sun newspaper. We're yeah. right. It's yeah. dying. It's dying. And it's dying because people are, 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 are realising we don't want to have that hate and division. And we don't want tits over our breakfast, you know. No. And, and we were right about that. And, and we'll be proved right again about these Tories and what they're doing. Yeah. This is... Um, Anyway, don't let me don't. Yeah. don't we won't get too political. We won't get too political. But so obviously you've been back in Liverpool since September, and then we went into lockdown in March. And I've been following your um, journey, your, your lockdown um, photo journey. So obviously it's a completely new city for you moving back into it. You had six months of adjustment. How much fun have you had actually going around Liverpool while it's been quiet? Oh, it's been... Do you know, the day the shops opened, I was upset oh. that it was over. Oh. And a lot, a lot of people were rejoicing, you know, this is it, it's come to an end. But for me, I, I live about... Uh, I, I could walk to the Liver building in 10 minutes from where I am. I'm, I'm right on the river. Yeah. And so for me to... I, I refer to my daily walks around Liverpool as my Victorian gymnasium. Because yeah. that's what it was like. And when you think about taking in all this city has to offer, when you're walking through a crowded city centre, you're walking at what, looking at what's in front of you because, you know, invariably some idiot's going to bump into you whilst looking at their phone. Yeah. You know, a lot of tourists now are trying to find out where the cavern is. Excuse yeah. me there. <laughs> where is the cavern? And... We had the opportunity under lockdown to just be walking through major thoroughfares right down the middle of the street. Yeah. And you can look up and see the architecture in the city is absolutely staggeringly beautiful. There are some amazing buildings. And even stuff that, you know, streets I've walked down thousands and thousands of times that I have now had the opportunity to just sit there and look up and go, wow, I never yeah. saw that before. Yeah. And... And, you know, it's, uh, the Liverpool Council have probably destroyed more than the Luftwaffe did. <laughs> but uh, we've still got some absolutely outstanding developments here. And and, and it's changing. It's it's new. Um, and, of course, you know, it's when you look at what's, what's happening at, at the minute with the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, the slavery aspect of that and slave traders being toppled, this city... Owes its, owes its very existence to slavery, really. Yeah. And we have, to, um, we have to accept that. And we've got, we've got statues of slavers here, but I, I'm not one for tearing down statues and, 
and revising history. Let's educate people what who these people were. Mm-hmm. And and I had a guy, a guy uh, who's a tour guide here, a guy called Lawrence Westgaff the other week talking about this. And he did 10 minutes. That was just, I was sitting in the car going, that's spot on. Yeah. The new parts of the city, let's embrace that. Let's embrace the, the, the fact that the uh, the places have changed. You know, there was um, there was a building here that was rebranded as Beetham Plaza. But before that, it was Wilberforce House. And Wilberforce was the one who led the, you know, the abolition of the slave trade. Mm. So let's move into a bit of that as well. And, and let's have new Liverpool. Mm. But we, we can't forget what we have, the, the money that was here. And as I say, you can see it in every single building. Mm. The, the Victorian splendour and the wealth was ridiculous. You know, sugar, tobacco, cotton bananas, the, everything, the trade that was coming in from the world, you know, oldest Chinese community in, in Europe. Mm. We, we, this, the city stunning. You, 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 I'll, I'll definitely coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, honestly, it's, uh, and I say to walk around it and, and take the photographs. I mean, if you'd have followed it for the, from the beginning to the end, there was a lot of duplicates. So it was yeah. at the point where I was, it was all about the sky. It was yeah. all about getting a great sky. And uh, it, it was, say, when, when it was over and I walked into town and it's like there's people everywhere. It's like, um, it's like all these noisy neighbours have come out and ruined yeah. my, my back garden. Yeah. How annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah. But being a couple of things like meeting up with mates and just grabbing a few cans out, the, out of the supermarket and sitting in a nice place in town and just sitting there having a beer and you know we're, we're only doing that because the pubs are closed and now we're, we're, we're going to have to go back into that thing of having your little your little social media bubble being taking it out onto the street mm. and whilst I've missed that I'll, I will enjoy hugging my friends again I'm a big hugger and I'll yeah. and, and I'll, that's quite a weird thing you know to be going up to people and, and giving it one of them and yeah. so I'm glad it's over, but I'll tell you what I'm actually going to do with the pictures. This while you're talking about the pictures, I had an yeah. idea of, of of the 50 funerals that I've done under this lockdown. At least 10 of them have been COVID victims. Yeah. So I filmed a load of stuff as well. So I've got about 60 clips of film, five to seven minutes long, and I'm going to. I'm going to go back to these people whose funerals I did and I'm going to speak to them and, and ask them to talk about their loved ones that they've lost yeah. and put their voices over these pictures and, Amazing. and call it uh, Liverpool eulogy. Yeah. And because that is one thing that's been missing from all the, the thousands that have died is, is the personal side of that. And uh, I don't know if you've done any funerals for that or if people you know have done funerals. Though, to us, because we're we're you know we're not suffering, but we're seeing the people we're seeing what has been uh, the damage that has been left behind by this and the devastation, and you're we're seeing the real personal aspect of that, and it's not just a number. Mm. I mean, and that was something that I included in all the eulogies I did for COVID victims, which is like this this person who we're saying goodbye to today is not going to be remembered by their cause of death. We, we remember them for the for the lovely, affectionate, warm, beautiful people they are. They're not a victim of a global pandemic, and and I think that's what set me off on this thing to go. You know what? I've got access to these people. I've got their eulogies. I mean, 
just some some people saying stunning things, yeah. um, heartbreaking, but really personal, yeah. really personal, and and they deserve to have um, their moment. Yeah. And I think it, I think it would be a good backdrop over this this ghost town or this ghost city with, yeah. with these people's talking about it. So that's something for me too. I've got to go through the 60 or 70 clips I've got first though and decide which ones I'm going to use. Yeah. But oh, that's going to, it sounds like an amazing project. So definitely uh, look forward to seeing that. So and kind of, you've kind of segued quite nicely into, you know, you, you, you've been in a, a top selling global band. You've been in London, you've moved back to Liverpool, you know, and you've got to know and love your city again in lockdown, which is absolutely amazing. And, how many people get to do that? But through it all as well, you, you started training to be a celebrant and you seem to be flying. So how did you become, how did you go from pop sensation to, to celebrant? What, well, what, there, was, right? uh, there, was, there was many years in between that of being a pretty decent electrician. I was a yeah. good electrician and I, I was self-employed and worked in people's houses. And I'd got all my work through... Uh, Word of mouth, and it was. I'm getting to that age where it, the the knees and the back and the ankles and all the rest of the bits that really start hurting when you're crawling up and round lofts and stuff. Yeah. Too old for that. And I'd done um, I'd done uh, two eulogies at two friends' funerals, mm. and I'd also spoken at my mother's funeral, which was a few years ago, and it was after I'd done the two for me friends, that the people afterwards said, that was really good, you know, you did really well there, and, and it was perfect what you said about them. Mm. So it was something I'd been mulling over, and until I met you at, at the Liam's wedding last year, and that was the thing that really convinced me to do it, when you said, oh, I was looking at going down the, uh, the humanist route, and um, it was something I didn't realise with the, you know, with the, the non-religious aspect of humanism, which is something after you told me about that, that I investigated that and I went, well, that's right. You know, I, I, I'm not a religious person myself, but I, I have to have respect for people who believe that my mother-in-law is a, is a devout Catholic. Mm. And I've done funerals where people have wanted prayers and say things, you know, that... We don't all have to be knocking at the doors of the church to be religious people, do we? And no. um, in terms of in terms of Jesus Christ, I think as as a group, someone who was brought up in Catholic school, uh, Jesus was a socialist for me, and he he cared about his fellow man. And if uh, if I'm going to choose my life without with or without God, then Jesus Christ and what I was taught about him is a good is a good start. Mm. Good start for like let's move forward with that. So then I went to do the training course. I went to Leeds for a week, and I thought, well, I'm as well. I, I, I was more interested in doing the funerals than the weddings, but they were both at the same time. And I thought, sorry, I'll go to Leeds for a week and uh, met Lita, and that was that was in November. Took Christmas off. Took most of January off as well, <laughs> and then got some cards printed up and sent them off. And it was it was interesting actually because it wasn't really. I, I got some wedding cards made up, yeah, 
and I've got some funeral cards made up. The wedding cards are white, funeral yeah. cards are black. But on the wedding cards, it, it had a bit of a biog, which mentioned the band and a little bit about me and um, and what I did or what I used to do. And uh, so I went round the south end of the city first and dropped off cards in about 15 different funeral directors. And I thought, well, you know, when I go up the north end, I'll drop the wedding cards in because it's got this biog. And that's what got me the gig, the right. first, my first gig. Was someone rang me up and said, oh, I've read your thing here. And me and my colleague said, the next one that comes in, we'll give it to you. And I was really, that's really fortunate. It's a, it's, um, it's a good leg up to have. Hmm. And then I did a couple and I got really good feedback and I encourage people to feedback to the funeral directors and they've been made up. They've been so pleased. They're saying all the families love you. And some of the, the testimonials I've had off the families, which are on, I put on my website, are, are, are really good. So sincere. From the sincere to the funny. I had one the other day, the woman had said to me, um, she said, uh, she thought she'd replied to my text and she said, oh my God, your ears must be like crispy duck. We were talking about you all afternoon. <laughs> I'm going to have to put that on my testimonials. <laughs> but it's, uh, in terms of, of going forward, I, I think um, the weddings I see as quite, it's a big deal. Mm. people and it's a lot of pressure and I think it's a lot of preparation and I'm sure you could you know as someone who has, who has been doing this for a, a long time you'd be able to say yeah that is the case and it is meetings and it's people's big day mm. and uh, I, I like the idea of doing a funeral so unless somebody really asks me to do that I don't think I'm going to bother with trying to do with do weddings to be mm. honest so I'm loving the funeral side of it. I'm loving meeting the people. Um, I'm, it's, it's, I see the job. I mean, especially now with these limited numbers. I, I described it to me, mate, the other day. I said, I feel like a, a, I feel like a, a footballer who signed a contract, but he's he's managed to play a whole season behind closed doors. Mm. You know, so I, I've I've learned, I've kind of learned the job without having to be. I don't really get nervous in front of a lot of people, but I would have done, you know, the, I'd never felt nervous like that before when I did yeah. the first funeral I did. Because for me, you know, standing on playing, playing in front of people, playing in front of thousands of people is much easier than playing in front of 50 people because yeah. you can see them all. Yeah. 10,000 people, you see the first three rows. Yeah. So I've, I've, got, I've got to get, in that, the, the time that I've been doing it, I've got my chops together. And I've got me good bits, and and now I've kind of got my own ceremony. Mm. That it's basically the words, and that's in it is is all the stuff I've written, and I've got, I've got, uh, I've got like a note with me greatest hits on. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, okay, if somebody started that, this is a really nice thing to say about that. Yeah. And if if it's somebody who's got a load of grandkids, then this is a really nice thing to say about that. Yeah. And. I, I I like helping people and and I like being nice to people and I see this the job as the funeral celebrant is um is is hugging everyone in the room yeah and and trying to help them through it because mm. it, it it it's uh, the only time I've ever had to organise a funeral was for my father mm. and because when my mum died 
My dad did it. So it's yeah. something, you know, it's, for a lot of people, it's something that, that is totally alien to them and they don't know what to do and what to expect. Mm-hmm. So when, you, when you, you're in there, and even very early on, it was like, you can have what you want. There are no rules, you know. You can you can have whatever you want in this within reason, mm. you know. And um, no, I'm loving it. I wish I'd have done it ten years earlier, mate. To be honest, I really, really love it. I'm I'm loving the job. I'm loving the people I work with, um, who, who, who are just who are all seem to that they're all empaths for a start, yeah. and you'd have to be in that job. But speaking to the, the girls who were on the phone as well, who you're dealing with. So I've had this, I now have, have, have a, an audio relationship yeah. with these people at, at a couple of funeral directors, and I've never met them. Yeah. You I've will been, too. I, I haven't <laughs> been able to go in and see them. Yeah. And I was, I was talking to one of the girls last week, and she said, uh, when, when they started giving me work, they look after these people and sent them some posh biscuits and that, you know, through the post. Yeah, yeah I'll have some of this. And one of the girls is really dry and she said, like, uh, if you're coming in next, don't come in next week because I'm not here. And, uh, and uh, don't be sending any biscuits either. I don't want to be missing out on any biscuits. Right? <laughs> Trying to make you fat. And, and you can tell that they are, I think to be in, the, in that kind of job, mm. you do have to have a you have a little bit of a dark sense of humour. Yeah. A lot of the people who, who I work with, like the guys who are carrying the coffins and stuff, they're all ex-fire um, brigade. Yeah. It's just not, you know, you think some of the things they must have seen in their life, you know, the, t- the traumas and all the rest of it. But it's, uh, I- I'm just absolutely loving it. And for the first time in my life, I get to, um, I get to wear a suit to work. Yeah, I've, got, I've, I've developed an absolutely shocking uh, eBay habit for <laughs> German street ties. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm following. I'm following the Michelle Taylor, the, the Michelle Taylor approach. Get one in every colour. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's got to be done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I say so. I mean, I don't, <laughs> might be a bit of a loaded question, this. So we obviously met at a wedding. Yeah. It was about this time last year, wasn't it? Was it June, July? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it was about this time last year, wasn't it? And so was I the first celebrant that you'd seen in action? No, I'd seen one, I'd seen one from a, a really good friend of mine. Um, and it's a, it's a funeral I'll never forget. It was, it was the first time I'd, I'd been at a non-religious funeral and it, uh, my mate had committed suicide and I, I was about two days before this was this was so bizarre his, his brother-in-law rang me up and he sent me a text message and he said um can you bring a copy of two tribes to the funeral hmm. and i mean like yeah whatever uh I was thinking, this is a bit inappropriate, like, you know, asking me to burn off records for him <laughs> while he's supposed to be at his brother-in-law's funeral. So this guy, who, who I'd known 10 or 15 years, and, and um, I turned up and I, and I gave it to him, and he said, oh, good, yeah, thanks. He said, yeah, he's, going, he's uh, going into this. Hmm. And I went, he's a, he's a Frankie fan. He went, yeah, massive. So in all this time, 
I'd never known him. I'd never known that he was even a, even a fan of the band. So that was quite weird. Mm. So we came into Frankie and he went out to uh, Pink Floyd. Mm. But he had this guy doing, doing the service for him, or the ceremony rather. And it was just full of really hackneyed cliches that could be applied to everything. Mm. You know, there was no doubt in his sincerity, but it was uh, the idea of having having a non-religious funeral for me would be that you're not having the same funeral that 2,700 million Catholics have had before you. Or the only thing that's changed is is it might be in Latin yeah. and your name's in it. Yeah. But, you know, yours is the same as Billy's, as Fred, as Martha. Yeah. Whereas when I heard this guy, I thought, well, no, that's um, the, his eulogy side of it was. Um, was not great. And he was saying things like, you know, this is my mate who took his own life and it was it was horrible. But um the circumstances in which he died. But it was uh oh you know, Kevin was 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 a, a man who like a moth who flew too close to the flame and it's like, jog on mate. You, yeah. you I can tell you yeah. know nothing about this guy and you haven't um you haven't really if you've spoken to the family, maybe maybe they're too upset and, and they haven't given you the information. But I don't I don't think that would be the case because his sister, who he was incredibly close to, mm. was a school teacher and therefore a communicator and yeah. therefore would have would have you know known what to say. Mm. And and um, a mutual friend of ours stood up and, and he and he spoke and he, he wiped the floor with the fella in terms of what he said about Kevin. Mm. And I would say when I eventually did a eulogy, my, like did the ceremony myself, um, it was that was down to my mate's daughter going, can you do it? Mm. And I went, well, yeah, I'll read something and, and I'll introduce the music and I'll welcome everyone that's here. But there was a... There was no real commit. I, I don't remember if there was like a committal part of it because I'm, I'm just trying to read this thing and get through the end of it. But she kind of did it herself, you know, which was which was amazing. Mm. You know, testament to how how her dad brought it up. Really, that she went, yeah, well, thanks, dad, nice one. And it was it was very informal and very personal. Mm. And that aspect of being able to do that for people is is a I think it's great. It's it's, and, and again, being a being a writer, being a songwriter, it ticks that box. It's it ticks the the wordplay box and and the alliteration box and and those nice things and and and, and being able to say nice things about people. Yeah. Cause, cause no bad people die, do they? No, no one's of course they don't. No. Absolute <laughs> swine. The world's a better off place without them. Yeah. You can't say that. Yeah. But it's. Uh, oh, you will. There'll be a funeral where you do get to say that. <laughs> but I'm gonna say in in the ones I've drawn, I've drawn it. The only thing I've in, when I've gone through the training manual, uh, the big big files, and I go through it and go right. These are. I've had the one who's died and left nobody behind. I've had uh, I've had a suicide. I've I've done a couple of babies. So the only one I'm the only one I'm missing for my training manuals, and I hope I never have to do one yeah. But it's um, it, it's been it's been great, and and knowing people afterwards, uh, I've never had 
the satisfaction in any other thing that I've done when people have said thank you afterwards. Yeah. Like, you know, going in and, and doing an amazing lighting job in somebody's kitchen and, they, and they're absolutely delighted with it because they've had a crappy four-foot fluorescent and now they've got, you know, 27 colour change LEDs and they're going, oh, it's fantastic. It's not the same thing as someone... Who, who say has, has lost a child and, and says to you, oh, thank you, you know, for you, yeah. thank you for getting us through that. We didn't know yeah. what, what we were supposed to do, what we were expected to do. Thank you for guiding us and telling us we could say our own thing. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's ever since doing stuff like that and having these personal tributes, it's something that I'm going to encourage people to do because yeah. I, I, I'm not a grief counsellor by any stretch of the imagination and I wouldn't claim to know that the benefits of speaking at someone you love's funeral would be a good thing. But some of the, some of the things I've seen people say whilst reading these tributes are staggeringly beautiful and so personal. And, and I would think, especially for like grandkids, I had a girl stood up the other day, 22, and, and I was talking to her outside because I had all these tributes in front of me. And I said, which one are you, Megan? And she said, I'm Megan. I said, by the way, that bit there, I'm nicking that. <laughs> she, said, uh, she said, what? And I said, it's just absolutely beautiful what you've written. She said, um, how lucky am I to have the family that I have that losing one of them hurts this much? Yeah. And I think, oh, wow, yeah, that's great, that's great, and just, just fantastic. It, it's, it's great. You can tell I'm absolutely buzzing, can't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing when you find a role in life that just feeds your soul. It's yeah. not, it's not a job. Yeah. It is. It is. It's a passion. It's a vocation. I mean, I've never done. I've done memorial ceremonies, but I I've never done funerals. So I have the same passion for weddings that you're clearly displaying for funerals. And when I've delivered a good one, I've got everybody eating at the palm of my hand. Everybody's laughing in the right places and coming up to me afterwards and saying, "Oh, that was brilliant." Because at Liam's wedding, it's quite funny because I did the practice the day before, so you weren't there for that. Or were you? No, you did. You did. Yeah, come, was, yeah. You did come off the practice, yeah. So, um, I think it might have been before you got there. I think it was one of the mums. I can't remember which mum it was because I'd come straight from another wedding to do their practice before going home. And she said to me the following day, she says, "When you turned up, she says I was not sure." <laughs> and then you started speaking, and then we thought, "Yeah, we like her." <laughs> Thinking, yeah. You know, I'm a bit marmite, you know, turning up in me, me Doc Martin boots and me, uh, and me dresses. She's, are you wearing that tomorrow? I says, no, I'm wearing the other one tomorrow because I've got two dresses the same but different colours. And she went, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got to wear that dress, which is why I wore the dress on all the day. But it's kind of, we weren't sure when you turned up, this, this larger-than-life bright colours, petticoats and Doc Martin boots, thinking, what the hell? <laughs> but they loved it and and you certainly mean obviously you played a part in that ceremony as well because you you know you, you sang uh, the power of love and i know i i got goosebumps listening to it you know well, like, it was, yeah. i thought it was a lovely word and i thought yeah, it was a great yeah. day because, yeah. i mean i've known i'd known um liam's dad yeah <sighs> since I was about 20 odd yeah in my mid 20s and i've known liam known liam since he was yeah, it would have been about 
six or seven years old when I first met Liam. So I've known him, I've known him right the way through, and uh, I've seen him grow into this guy who is like you know he has he has got a touch of Dell boys about him, yeah. and. Uh, no, I've got so much love for his family, yeah. and and because I always say to uh, his father John, I said you're the only co- you're the only proper Cockney I know by the uh, by the Bow Bells definition. Yeah, he was he was born in Bethnal Green. Yeah. Rest of them are all chances. If you're born in Islington, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, it was a cracking day, and he's just. I mean, I was a bit starstruck when they said, and this is all our friend. Um, Brian is, is going to be singing a song. I thought, yeah, okay, what's his surname? It says uh, Brian Nash, but call him Nash. Right, okay. Oh, by the way, he's from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And I'm like, what? Westy, <laughs> does, thinking... Westy does love a name drop, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking, oh my God, oh my God, what do I say? What do I look like? Oh my God. And then you walked in, it was just like, this guy's so sound. It's just like, yeah, you're just so down to it. And I think... all just people trying to do yeah, a job. You get, you get this perception, don't you, of what people are going to behave like. And then... I've always yeah. said that about, like, in, in all that time of being in a band and meeting loads of other people and, and like, hanging out and having beers with people yeah. who, two years ago, you were buying their records. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I, I could count... I could count the absolute horrors on about three, less than one, less than five fingers. Easy. Everyone is sound. Everyone is sound. Amongst their contemporaries, I would say. I don't know what they're like when they get outside of that. But you know what? They're just normal people. Ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. You know what I remember? Like first time having been hanging out with the guys in Duran Duran, hanging out with the guys in Depeche Mode. And it's like, wow, these guys, you know, I was watching these on the telly. Yeah. 18 months ago, yeah. and now I'm, now I'm in a bar in Paris, yeah. and they're buying the ale. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> people, aren't you? It's, um, you don't hear many bad stories about people. And you know what? It, it, sometimes, I'll always give someone the benefit of the doubt, unless you hear two bad stories. Yeah. And maybe someone can always be having a bad day. Yeah. And uh, they can react up that way. But, um, but then you hear about people like Van Morrison. Yeah. And as my mate, my mate said to me, he said, there are two types of people in this world, those who like Van Morrison and those who've met him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I count myself as being slightly too young for him. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's no, he's, um, he is, he's Marmite. I don't really, I don't particularly like him. But, a, but I've heard so many bad stories about him, about him just being horrible. And it's like, no, why would you be like that? It takes so much energy, you know. It's such, and it's so draining. You know, yeah. being 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 a nach and being a horror must be exhausting. Yeah. But yeah, just being nice and normal is yeah definitely the way to go. <laughs> it's kind of weird doing this celebrant job because I I didn't I didn't know whether people were saying uh, who I was, whether I was just Brian the celebrant or Brian the guy who used to be in this band. And, and I think the people who are, who are you see, I because I haven't even met these people, I don't really know how their sales pitch goes. You know, yeah. if they go like, oh, we, we, we're not having a priest. Well, who do you want? We've got this guy, or we've got this guy. Well, tell me about him, or we've got this woman. You know, there's, I've, seen a, I've seen one other guy and two other women out while I've been doing my thing, either before a funeral or them turning up afterwards. Mm. And uh, I know that when I turn up to do these funerals, that people know I was in the band. Yeah. 
Mm. And, and I did um, I did one the other week for a guy uh, suicide the, my first suicide and um, he was his his uh, brother come out and said he loved his music he would be absolutely buzzing mm. that you're doing his funeral mm. and he, I remember I'll, the, the reason I remember that funeral for it being my first suicide but again asking people to write their tributes and every because this guy had, had jumped off really unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got these tributes through via email, they all had the air of a, a very long text message mm-hmm. uh, that was never going to be replied. Mm-hmm. But like just so just so written from the heart, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the last one was from his uh, his nephew. And he used to call his nephew used to call him Pooh, and he lived by uh, he lived by Anfield. And at this, the last tribute I read out was it said, uh, "I used to love going to Uncle Pooh's on Match Day. Mm. Um, he'd always give me his change to go and buy a, a badge for me Liverpool hat. Mm. And then when I come back, he'd say, "Should we go to the pub, Jack?" And I'd say, "Oh, shut up, Uncle Pooh. I'm only six. <laughs> Just, I mean, it's just that, that that's why I think maybe doing this this thing, I think I'm gonna give families the opportunity to say that if they don't want to say it, be more than honoured and happy to read them out because I think I think there is a writer in everyone. Yeah. Uh, even though even though their um, their writing ambitions are not always matched by their grammar. <laughs> what has happened, Michelle, to grammar in this country? We, 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 in ten years from now, we're going to be speaking in emojis. Yeah, the, <laughs> thing, the, the thing is, since since smartphones and text talk, that's yeah. how people write. Yeah, and I've caught myself doing it on occasion, and I can yeah. write. <laughs> No, and you know what? I, I, I used to be a grammar Nazi, but I've had to let it go. Yeah, you've got to, because otherwise it'll do your head in. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? You've just said you've just said it there as well. I'm guilty. I'm guilty as charged too. You know, but it's funny you're saying that. I did a, I did a funeral the other week for my mother-in-law's friends who lost their sister, and I got messages from her during the planning of this and what was going to be said and who was going to say something. And she was using emojis on yeah. the, on the, uh, on the, and I said to me, miss, I, I, I've only got the crying eyes one yeah. or, or da, or yeah. da, or yeah. the devil horns. Yeah. I'm just going like, these have got the, uh, what's this? I'm asking me, missus, she's going like, that's hoax. Okay. And what's the rainbows? Oh, that's like, uh, that's hope. <laughs> hugs, and hope, hugs and hope and then then smiley faces yeah I, don't oh, know. Really? yeah I need to i need to get my own emojis yeah. just like i need to get I, we need to develop a sarcasm font <laughs> i think that would be in use every day <laughs> multiple yes. times a day <laughs> yes Oh, brilliant brian it's all dasha brian dasha i don't care it's been brilliant Chatting no, with you boss today. to see you, mate. Yeah. To see yeah. you next time I see so, you. I want, I want to see the fro. I want to see the fro out and proud. Well, obviously, this is a podcast and not uh, audio, uh, not visual. But yeah, you can see the fro's not long enough yet. That's all straight, so I've got to get rid of that. <laughs> I might, I, 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 I might go loud and proud. <laughs> When's your next wedding? 
Um, well, oh God. Um, if all goes to plan, I have a vow renewal which should go ahead because it's less than 30 people in August, but um, that's end of August, but everything up to then is, is postponed. And then my first wedding in September has just postponed. So my first wedding, if all goes to plan, will be on the 4th of September. Bearing in mind, I should have been working every single month of this year for the first time ever. Um, <laughs> to have had two weddings and then nothing but it's given me some downtime i've done gardening you know and you've become an audio editor yeah become, yeah yeah i started podcasting and yeah starting doing loads of stuff so one of my podcasts that i'm going to do i've done one with um another celebrant and we were talking about clothing and stuff and we're actually going to go and visit clothes shop where i go and get a lot of my dresses from yeah and I'm going to do an outside podcast from there with her and the owner of the shop. So there'll be a two-parter when that one gets released. But yeah, that'll be cool. <laughs> but while I went, when I, I had a, I only had one suit when I moved up here. And I went to like, uh, there's a place called Slater's Menswear. Yeah, brilliant. It's a Scottish company, but they've got suits everywhere. Take them in, fit them for you. And I thought, well, I better go and get a new suit. And I said, like, I ain't in and a load of money yet. So I just went and got like a cheap suit. Anyway, the cheap suits just got absolutely battered, hasn't it? It's, it's all looking a bit crap. Yeah. And it was like, na- it was um, a, na- a navy blue suit. So between that, the white shirts and my uh, eBay ties and my black rucksack, I looked like a Jehovah's Witness on the prowl. So <laughs> At the crime, just waiting. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for the shop to open. So I went out and bought a nice Ted Baker suit the other yeah. day. So, yeah. Yeah. Get something that looks a bit a little bit less like Jehovah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously all we've got at the minute for you is your website, which is nashadthecelebrant.com, yeah? yeah. But you're gonna be doing this uh Liverpool eulogy at some stage. Yeah, I think so. I've, yeah. I've, I've got to speak to a mate of when he comes back to work because I said to him the other day that I spoke to him on the phone and gave him like a bit of a sales pitch for it. And he runs a, a, a media company yeah. who do this kind of thing and they make films and documentaries. And I said to him, look, I want to do this and I want you to do it with me because it's the diff- I can do it myself and I can chop it together in iMovie and I can stick it on YouTube. I said, but if you get involved in this and I have someone on the visual side of it, that's pro. Yeah. It's the difference between it being on YouTube and being on Netflix, you know, yeah. it could be, and, and, you know, to tie it in with what I used to do to being the guy who started becoming a celebrant in the middle yeah. of a pandemic. Yeah. And I've got, I've got looking back to my, my uh, books the other day at the COVID victims and who, who the, uh, the people I was dealing with. Yeah. And one of them is, one of them is one of my best friends here, heard on, heard on the, she lost her mother in a care home, was 86, you know, and her, her story was that her and her sister turned up and she'd, she'd been told she'd taken the turn for the worst and they, and they said, well, only one of you can go in. Yeah. When you go in, when you come out, you've got to isolate for 14 days. Yeah. Well, my friend couldn't do it because she'd have had to go back to her husband. She couldn't, couldn't go anywhere else. So she didn't get that opportunity to say goodbye to her mum. You know, from the other side of the glass. And when her sister went in, her mother was gone in less than five minutes of her arriving, you know, and going in there. And I think there's there's a lot of... I, I, I don't know whether it's as the older we get, 
and we're looking. We the, the closer we get to the front of the queue, yeah, we're looking back. We we start looking back over our shoulder. Had no interest in history when I was twenty. Yeah. Now it seems to be important, and now I think this is a uh, an historical time. Yeah, absolutely. For all of us, and and if I've gone to the trouble of walking through the city every day, clocking up four hundred and seventy miles. By I'm the impressed. way, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Oh, me hips aren't, mate. <laughs> put me, so I need to sign up now for a couple of hip replacements and something. <laughs> but I, I think it could be a good thing, and, yeah. and it does have that. It does have an amateur feel about it. We're not trying to make a, a Hollywood film, but to give these people the opportunity to remember the, the loved ones they've lost. I think uh, even if they. Re- read out bits of the eulogies that were read at the funeral or whether I sit there and talk to them and they tell us about them. I think um I think it's it could be very poignant and it could be a good record at the time. And and you know you've seen I've taken over three thousand pictures which tomorrow I start sorting through. Because mm. the original idea was to take the pictures this year and then go back to the same place a year from now. Yeah. And contrast and compare the two photographs. So, no, it's exciting, and I've got time to do it because this celebrant thing doesn't take up my time. I've got an album, which I think will be my last album I make. I, I want to just get into collaborating with people and yeah. and doing music for fun. I've got a career now, yeah. which is something I'll be able to do as long as I can climb in and out of a taxi. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, and. Uh, I think by the time we go back to having full houses again, I might not need the script. I'll only need my script from a eulogy. I'm still looking to my my pieces of paper for prompts. Mm. And I haven't gone down the route of the iPad yet. I don't trust the technology. I won't use an iPad. No. I won't use one. But, yeah, each to their own. <laughs> yeah. I know, I, I, I know mine would crash on me. I don't remember you having notes. You're all off the... You've got it all. It, it's it's a performance, isn't it? He's not. He's not all in my head. Trust me. I've got. I've got a folder. <laughs> I've got a folder. It's written down. It's 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 printed in a size sixteen font, double space, so I can actually read it with or without glasses, just in case I break my glasses because I have done that before. Um, yeah. Um, but it, it, you say I know my script. I've written it. I've practiced it, and I can look down and like talk and yeah. But yeah. I've been doing it for nine years, so. Yeah, it's it, it 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 is it's a performance, and I should have been on stage. I just obviously missed the boat on that one. So my stage is now my wedding. <laughs> so I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> and I'd like to take this this opportunity very publicly on your podcast to thank you for pointing me in the in the direction I was. You know, uh, if if you'd have said to me at that time, "No, you don't want to do that," I might not have done it. But yeah. you did, and you were incredibly positive and incredibly informative, and you pointed me in the direction in the FPC, and that was all good. That was yeah. all good, and uh, I want to thank you for that. It's, oh. It means a lot. You're so welcome. Come on here and talk to you about it. You know, almost a year down the line since yeah. we first met, and, yeah. and where I am now compared to where I was then is yeah. is largely down to you pushing me in that in that thing you know you, you were you do it do it yeah. you should do it <laughs> michelle said i've got to do it i better do I better it, do it. Yeah. i am <laughs> scary aren't i <laughs> 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 
But yeah, but my payment will be, it has already been, you've sent me a couple of your albums, which are brilliant, by the way. And my husband, we, we both played them over and over again. So that's awesome. So I'm looking forward to the, the final album coming out. But my payment will be, you're taking me around the city and you're taking me to, well, what, what, what's, what food is Liverpool famous for? Obviously, if you're coming to Birmingham, it'll be a, it'll be a curry. And you know what? You know the the thing that works in your favour because you're a largely weekend worker, right? Yeah. The best time to come to the city is during the week. At the weekends, the city centre is packed yeah. with stag and enders or football yeah. fans, and the hotels are ridiculously expensive. Yeah. You come up here on a Tuesday, out of the football season, you can get a travel lodge and a train there and back, and a travel lodge for two nights for a hundred pound. We're on. I would love to take you down. We'll have a few drinks. Take you on the ferry across the Maisie. Oh, it's got to be done. <laughs> it's got to be done. Yeah, it's got to be done. Yeah, we'll take you down Toxted and all that. You'd be surprised. You know, like, yeah. I always take people around Toxy and they go, like, this is Toxted. You know, they expect it to be like Beirut and they, yeah. they forget that, you know, Toxted and the Georgian quarter of this city is like where is where the millionaires lived. It's forty years on from what it was with the riots, you know, and it's so yeah, every area has to change. <laughs> yeah. So oh, it's yeah, amazing. brilliant. I look forward to it. Yeah, fabulous. Right. Thank you very much for joining me today. And um I will let everybody know as and when the project for uh, Liverpool Eulogy comes to fruition. Um and yeah, make sure that you, you, you get an opportunity to watch Yeah, it. and send me a link to yeah. where this is yeah. up and I shall share it. I yeah. might share it with some of the some of my friends from, from my from my funeral directors. They might like it too. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Okay. I'm gonna i I'm gonna say goodbye now then. Thank you very much for joining me. Cheers, mate. Absolutely right. pleased to see you. Take care. All the best. Can you believe there is somebody on this planet that can out talk me? Boston conversation with uh, Nasha. It was really nice to catch up with him. And I can't wait to actually have another conversation with him, especially when the, the Liverpool eulogy comes out. Anyway, take care for now. And I hope you can all join me again soon for another edition of Flow with the Funk. Music